experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time we can't account for. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined virtually by my trusted co-host and first officer, Mason Monkey Man Schrader. Uh, we're back, Mason. Uh, it's been a little bit since we last recorded, but uh, how have you been? What's new? What, what, what can you tell us? What's the word on the street? Um, you know, I mean, things have been all right. Uh, they're fine. Um, as a fellow short and heavily haired man. Yes, I would. Um, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Mason is very also. Uh, just, I mean, an unbelievable amount. I, I shave myself before I go to tattoo appointments because I feel bad. Mm. Yes. I remember seeing you without a shirt for the first time. <laughs> uh, when we were friends, like when we used to, hang- when we were friends, we're no longer friends. We're, yeah, we're not friendship. friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember one time you like took your shirt off, and I was like, "God damn!" Like yeah. I thought I was Harry. This man is mm-hmm. a hobbit, like straight yeah. up, yeah. straight up. Yep. Um, oh, I, you know what? I just no- realized that this is the first episode with my new microphone. So if everybody's like, "Oh, Jose sounds really nice," this is the mm-hmm. first one that we've done that I've get, got to record with this. And my yeah. room's not a, for the video uh, watchers, my room's not a fucking mess anymore because I'm fully moved in. Nice. Sporting a new haircut. I'm a new man, Mason. You're looking good. You're feeling good. You I'm, feel confident. I'm feeling good. I've been hitting the gym a lot. Yeah. Uh, hitting the sauna every day. It's the highlight of my day is just sitting in a hot fucking room with like three other guys. Yeah. Just sweating it out together. No one says a word. If anyone talks, we all fucking shun them. Like, we're like, yeah, you should. Mm -hmm. It feels weird. There was one guy who did try to start a conversation one of the times I went to the sauna, and I genuinely thought about like complaining to management. I was like, this is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Um, Well, Mason, this is an exciting episode because one, we've got a new cover art. Uh, Mm. We're back to posting daily or weekly. Sorry, not daily. Oh, God. (laughs) Can you imagine? Ugh. I'll give Joe Rogan that that he you know does that, but then again he also has a we team could, of people. So and we, we could also post daily if we were just if, if getting Sp- high and yeah. talking if about Spotify whatever we wanted was to talk paying about. Paying us five hundred k or whatever, we yeah. can fucking do it. Um, but we're back to posting weekly, which is big. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got a super sick ass episode schedule figured out, which is also nice. Yeah. Uh, so this is I would say this is the start of our like. We're reinventing ourselves. This is our hot girl mm-hmm. era, you know? Yeah, like, oh, podcast. for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say we're like a big titty goth girl hot. Well, this is, I mean, this is, it's apt that it's happening now because as spooky season is upon us. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. cold weather. This is where we thrive, okay? I, a dirtbag mm-hmm. summer where I wear my three-inch shorts, mm-hmm. my little shorts and my crop right. tops. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's over. We love it. It's but over it's, now. It's over. It's now very, is our it's time. Down. It's our time now. It's soft boy fall. The, yes. Yes. Okay. 
when and it's for us. When the season started, I regained my powers, which I was trying yes. to explain to people, and I don't think they fully comprehend. During mm-hmm. the month of October, and, and spooky season really lasts past October, I would say. I think it starts in September. I yes, exactly. Um, but during this month, or during this time, people, we we are at the height of our power. Like, yep. you guys don't comprehend. Like, nope. We uh, are the, the moment, unkillable, I think. The I moment know. you put a hoodie on, I can go outside in a hoodie on. It's it's, it's a it's a over. it's it's a it's a bad mistake. The second I can wear a hoodie with a light jacket over that, oh, it's fucking over. It's over. Wrap now I got up. I put my little beanie on and my my little mullet sticks out the back mm-hmm. and I I've started doing the little tuft yeah. out front. Oh, yeah. dude, hide every bisexual in sight. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, dude, just fucking wait till I till I fucking paint my nails all black and then it's fucking over for everybody. Dude, oh um, yeah, I've, I've been got doing my little, my little dangly earring in and I've got my painted black nails. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> get fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Once that tiny beanie goes on, <sighs> the panties come off. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so today, Mason. We have a real interesting topic. Uh, before I go further, let me ask, have you seen the movie Nope? Yes. Oh, fucking fantastic. Great. I was really scared that you were going to say no. Um, that you were going to nope. say nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what we get paid the big bucks for. Uh, yes. Today's episode actually has a bit of a connection to the film without going into too much spoilers for those of you who are fucking idiots and who haven't seen the film yet. There is a sequence in it uh, involving a chimpanzee that seems to almost certainly have been inspired by this very disturbing and tragic case. That's right. Today, we are talking about the 2009 attack on Charla Nash by Travis the Chimp. I didn't know that was inspired by a real event, and now I'm terrified. Uh, no, yeah. I See, I didn't either. And then after I watched that... That was scarier than everything else in that fucking movie. That whole sequence was the scariest part to me. And then when we were leaving, a buddy was like, oh, that's based on the thing that happened to that lady. I I remember this story now that I, now that I I remember this happening in the news. Yeah. I I am joining Mason in drinking today, which I don't normally (laughs) do. Just because I just, I started. Because this is our era, Jose. That's why. But I also started this case being like, ooh, could be fun. And then I was just like, this is all sad for everyone all around. But um, before we begin, Mason, we, we've talked on this show uh, in the past about who we don't really like to do trigger warnings just because the content of our show is almost entirely triggers. Um, we have the explicit uh, warning. I would definitely, although we do have younger listeners, I would say we're definitely geared towards a more mature audience. Um, we are always, of course, respectful to the victims in our cases. And it, we've talked about this before where it is an interesting line that we walk in doing, you know, comedic uh, true crime supernatural cases. But yeah, we believe that in order to tell the story in the best possible way, we have to include all of the gruesome and often uncomfortable details. Um, and if that's not for you, we understand, but we do ask that you at least give it a chance. Um, with that being said, this episode isn't as horrible as like the Zach Bowen and Addie Hall episode, but it is probably one of those episodes that people would go, yikes, while listening to it, you know? Yeah. Um, we definitely should come up with a classification 
for these episodes. You know, kind of like a last podcast does like their gold star episodes. Um, so if you have any ideas for an, an, a classification name for this, I'm all ears. Um, Yucky episodes? I was I, The best I can describe is, oh. But that's you can't what, really, that's, it's hard to type that out, but... This this uh, like might, an uh like an uh oh this is this is an uh oh this is definitely like a low to mid level uh oh episode. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, like David Byrne getting mugged in the streets, uh-oh. going uh oh oh. I was re-listening to that last log, the lost log, and um, that part fucking cracked me up so much. Just yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, I think that's. I think uh oh is the one. Okay. And it sucks because that is also funny. But this yeah. isn't. <laughs> no. So before we begin, I want to acknowledge what is perhaps our biggest source for today, and that is an article written in New York Magazine by Dan P. Lee, titled "Travis the Menace," as well as a slew of other sources that we, you know, will include in the show notes. With that out of the way, let's talk about Travis the Chimp. The world he finds out in the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things, and the superior beings are apes. In an accident described as one of the most horrific domestic animal attacks in U.S. history, Charla Nash was viciously and horrifically attacked by her friend, Sandy Harold's adult chimpanzee, Travis. The attack would make shockwaves and start a discourse about the ownership of exotic pets. But before we delve into the attack, we have to give some context and lay the pathwork for this story. Beginning with Sandy and Jerry Harold, Travis's de facto parents. Sandy was born in 1938 to a Jewish mother and an Italian father in the state of Connecticut, spending her entire life in the city of Stanford. The family lived in an unassuming house on Rock Rimmon Road, a windy road north of the city. The family owned a popular bakery downtown, and Sandy would spend most of her childhood playing along with her dog and tending to her horses. She was married shortly after high school, but was divorced and remarried in 1960. Her second marriage was much more romantic and intense than her first, but it was also desperate. Although she would state that she adored her second husband, with whom she fathered her only child, a daughter named Susan, the couple fought often and violently over his frequent affairs and ended up divorcing four years later. Which, that sucks. You never want that. You if know, someone this is, is having frequent affairs. Yeah. yeah. This is an awfully sad start. The only kind that I would normally say, I can't wait until... A chimpanzee becomes involved because that sounds like a fun sitcom. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. This is definitely like an an 80s sitcom. Yeah, after a bad divorce, a single mother moves to and and, and takes in a chimp mm-hmm. and and they just get into shenanigans. At yeah. one point the chimp goes to school dressed as a child. Yeah. Yeah, one time she has to do like a work interview but the chimp is with her. So she's yeah. like, the chimp is behind her boss while she's like, um, I would say my strengths. And the chimp is like, like putting his butt up or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or it'd be shenanigans. a good like 2020 episode where it's like a zoom call and the chimps, you know, yes. yes. Doing shenanigans in the background. Mm-hmm. And she's yeah. like, oh, that's just my mom. And it's wearing like a babushka yeah. yes. and lipstick. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, at 30 years old, Sandy would marry her third and final husband, Jerry Harold. Jerry Harold was described by most as a kind, compassionate, and intelligent man. The couple and Sue, who Jerry looked at as his own, would settle in the house on Rock Rimmon Road with Sandy's parents. They would open several businesses in Stanford, including the towing company and auto body shop that would be staples of their lives. These entrepreneurial ventures made them unlikely millionaires and the couple enjoyed a semi-luxurious life. In the 70s, the family began towing their horses from state to state so that Sandy and later on Sue could compete in barrel races semi-professionally. Which is, you know, it's the one where the, the girls like, and they're riding the horse and they go around the barrel like really sure. close and you think they're going to hit it, but they don't. I, I don't really know much about horse racing, but okay. It was what every girl that I went to high school with in Utah did. Oh, okay. Fair enough. At least if they were from the little towns. Every girl I went to high school was either a cheerleader or like a country girl. Fair enough. This is where Sandy would go on to meet 18-year-old runaway Charla Nash. Sandy was doing a short stint with country singer Loretta Lynn's Travelin' Rodeo. R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. Loretta Lynn just died. Really? Like last week. No fucking way. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That is crazy. Synchronicities. Wouldn't you look at that? You should really be more up to date on when your country legends passed. I should. Mm -hmm. When she struck up a friendship with young Sharla, who had also been rodeoing her way around the country. Uh, I don't know if that's This is a cartoon. Term, I, this is such a wild story already. <laughs> it's I'm, genuinely, it, 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 up until the horrific part, it is kind of just a sitcom. Yeah. It's a Cartoon Network original right now. When a woman... A horse millionaire meets a runaway, then they're gonna have horse in time. I oh, couldn't hey. use horse and around because that was Bojack, so I had uh, to, yeah. Hey, hey, there's a chimp that's like added at the end. And yeah, the oh, like, yeah, he's like the Steve Urkel in Family <laughs> yeah. Matters where it was like originally has nothing to do yeah. with like Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Steve Urkel wasn't even in the show, and then he was like a guest spot, and then it was like, whoa, everybody loves this kid, and then the yep. show was about him. Yeah. yeah. So, one day, Sandy and Sharla spotted a chimp dressed in cowboy attire riding atop a horse, which is honestly the fucking cutest thing I've ever heard. When you say, sp- you say it like they were like at a gas station. No, they were and at a the chimp, rodeo. And a yeah. cowboy chimp just rode by and they were like... Howdy, ladies. <laughs> you know, doing the, the, the Yeah, doing the, the hat too. fucking chimp just tip his hat at us? And then he gets out and flings poop at everyone. They're like, ah, yeah. there it is. Ah, that's hilarious. Um, no, but I, 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 if I saw a little chimp in, in, in a cowboy clothes, I might be like, ah, god damn it. And I, I'm hey, in. I don't like primates. Like, they terrify me. I don't no. fuck with them. But, no. but every once in a while, I'll see a little video of like a little monkey riding a little motorcycle, and I'm like, ah, god damn it. That's I think there, it always, I don't like anything that has to wear a diaper. Yeah. It shouldn't be in your house. It shouldn't be a house no, pet if like it has when, to wear a people diaper. People are like, put a diaper on your dog. And I'm like, no. Just don't get that dog. Just I mean, look, that. all dogs deserve love. Yes. I just don't want something that has to wear a diaper. If something no. needs to be That's house you trained. Train your f- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when after seeing this chimp, Sandy insisted on finding it backstage. And when she did, she gave the chimp uh, gummy bears. 
The chimp enthusiastically took them from Sandy's hand with his fingers, which really impressed her. And then later on during the show, the chimp would spot Sandy in the audience, hop off his horse, run to her, and leap into her arms. Uh, don't give chimps gummy bears. I'm uh, guessing they can eat them, but don't. It seems like chimps can eat whatever the fuck based on this story. I'm sure they can. Stories. No, but I, I'm super like strict about what my dog eats because I always have people come over that are like, oh, I'm just going to give this to your dog. I'm like, don't fucking feed my dog that, okay? It's Everyone's always like, but they get used to it. And I'm like, yeah, but That's it's still not good for them. You know, yeah, it's America still, like, got used to it, and now we're exactly. terrible. Exactly. I bet if you cut up like a fucking one of those dogs, they're like, oh, well, I'd feed him this. You cut him up, I bet you his insides would be fucking horrible. Well, I meant because of the food. That was a weirdly <laughs> oh, dark thing to say. If you cut up a... It's fine. Let's Pod just- dog is fine. Nobody worry. Okay. The mother and daughter duo had become inseparable. This is um, Sandy and Sue. They were racing side by side, line dancing, and working the businesses together. So when Sue married one of the workers from her parents' auto shop and announced she was moving away, Sandy was devastated, becoming bitter towards her daughter. Things only seemed to get worse for Sandy as both her parents grew ill and eventually passed away. Her world had suddenly grown smaller and smaller in such a short span of time, and she saw her and Jerry drifting away to middle age. One day in 1995, while Jerry tended to the businesses in Connecticut, Sandy had traveled to Missouri to meet with Connie Casey, a chimp breeder in Festus, Missouri. And this is where our titular Travis comes into the story. Baby chimps begin experimenting at a young age, like this one that's learning how to use a stick. Missouri's a horrible state. Anyway, I'm just, moving, just saying that moving past it. I was just there that weekend, actually. Drove through Festus. Oh, really? Synchronicities again. Synchronicities, man. Wild. I remember it's seeing it because insane. I thought it was called Fetus, Missouri. Wow. But it wasn't. It was called Festus. Travis was born in the sanctuary now called Missouri Chimpanzee Sanctuary. Very original. In sure. Festus, Missouri, on October 21st, 1995. So his birthday's coming up. He was Happy named, birthday, Travis. Yes. He was named after Connie's favorite country singer, Travis Tritt. His parents were a chimpanzee named Coco, who had been snatched from the jungles of Africa in the 70s and purchased for $12,000, and a retired zoo chimp named Susie. Okay, leave, don't... Oh, Mason, there's so much in this fucking world. Like, the, the amount that I now know about chimpanzees... Because I watched an episode of Fatal Attractions for this. Uh, they do an episode on chimps, and they cover the Travis story as well as another horrific mauling, and they just kind of go into the exotic pet ownership. It's just fucking people taking chimps from their natural habitat who are completely fine and happy and just being like, now nah, you're my pet. I, don't take things from jungles. No. I Look, if dogs weren't domesticated, I'd be staunchly exactly. against domesticating yep. wolves. Don't do it. Just stop taking things. We've got enough. I keep seeing these videos on TikTok of these people. Are like, ah, I have a coyote and he's my pet. I'm like, that guy is going to kill you. Probably not. Coyotes don't really kill people, but don't take them. They're not pets. They're not pets. Yeah. No, don't do it. Have we not done enough to animals? Stop. Stop. Stop taking things from nature and being like, no, because it'll love me. It's not going to love you. 
No. It's a wild animal. It will. This is exactly the thing, which we're going to care uh, eventually cover this case, but this is the whole thing with Grizzly Man where, like, he was like, they're my friends and they respect me. And it's like, no, they tolerated you until they were hungry. Until they just decided they didn't. And then they were like, okay, this guy has to die. They so. don't have, like, they have emotions, the but thing. they don't have, and, like, consciousness. And, and we can talk about this at the end, but people project, and this was one of the things that one of the experts talked about in that episode of Fatal Attraction, is that chimpanzees are very easy for people to project their feelings and their I'm attitudes sure, onto yeah. them because they're somewhat similar to humans, so people so easily project on them. That's why, like, someone will have a dog and they, they wear clothes, which... I will be. I won't lie to you guys. It's, I did buy. Cute. I did buy Zuko a little shirt that says "Silence of the Lambs." It's a graphic tee. It's pretty that's fucking cute. cool. He doesn't wear it all the time, just sometimes. But peop, that's why people will be like, "My dog going about this," or "My dog likes it when this." And it's like, no, you're projecting it onto your pet, and they don't really give a fuck, you know. The Especially only dog animals that can speak for itself is that Scooby Doo. No, is that um, Labradoodle. That presses the buttons. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The and one. is maybe gaining a little too much consciousness for yes. my liking. I, those, those videos scare me. That's why people are like, you should get that for Zuko. And I'm like, nah, I'm all right. No. Because Zuko can already open doors, and that scares me. Travis had been taken from his mother after she was shot with a tranquilizer at three days old and sold to Sandy and Jerry Harold for $50,000. Anything that has to be tranquilized for you to take its baby shouldn't be have its baby taken. Mm. I don't know. No. What? <laughs> no. Incorrect answer to that statement is I don't know. Don't tranquilize things and take their babies. If you have to tranquilize it because it'll kill you in order to steal its child, don't. Classic liberal cuck over here. Did we? Did you watch the movie Alien? Whenever it's yes. a murderous thing, yes. it doesn't matter how much money it's worth. Leave it alone. Yes, I agree. Sigourney Weaver can't save us forever, people. She can't. She cannot. She can't. As Sandy was handed, she will try though. I I will say that. I think she will I'm try. Sure she will. Yeah. Yeah. As Sandy was handed little Travis in his little diaper, she fell in love right away. As the little chimpanzee peered up at her, his face, the only part of his body not covered by his dark black hair, he grabbed at Sandy with his hands and feet, and Sandy cried. The two boarded a flight a, home, a flight home a few days later. This is like that lady that fucked that dolphin. Whoa, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my fucking God. That's a wild episode. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to our Instagram conspiracy. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah. Instagram conspiracy pages at Lost Log, where we talked about the lady who jerked off a dolphin. Maybe also fucked it. We are not sure. But probably. I'm guessing she didn't. We probably shouldn't say this lady fucked a dolphin. However, it was just leave animals alone. Leave them alone. At home, the Heralds raised Travis like a human baby, bottle feeding him formula, burping him, and putting him down for naps in his widow quib. At around, <laughs> don't don't do that, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. At around, stop that. You're doing the thing I'm saying not to do. At around three months, Travis began to roll over and soon after began to scoot before walking on his arms and legs. Travis was taught how to use the toilet, how to bathe in a bathtub, and how to brush his own teeth. 
Sandy would dress him every day, buying him an extensive wardrobe. The Heralds retrofitted their home to accommodate Travis's presence, caging in a large room in the rear, which had a set of sliders that led to an outdoor enclosure. Adopt a baby. Yes. Adopt I mean, a fucking a baby. They have a fucking daughter. I get it. Shit got weird with a daughter. It became estranged. Adopt a baby. Get a... Uh, I guess they did have a dog. That wasn't enough for them, I guess. Anyway. No. A baby is but, what they need. Is what I, they I, wanted. I, I genuinely believe this happened to the, these people because they had more money than they really knew what to do with. So they were like, fuck it. We will get a chimpanzee and pay m- probably millions of dollars for him to be able to live in our home. This if is you free. have to fucking get a metal door that can lock like you're in a fucking crate or something so that you can have an animal in your house. If you have to like mod not like a bit but like increase incredibly modify your home to where it looks like maybe a fucking zoo shouldn't have it yeah shouldn't have it right if you have to lock something in with metal bars because it naturally won't just hang out there shouldn't have it shouldn't have it shouldn't have it shouldn't have it um they also would put in a heavy metal door in their bedroom essentially creating a suite of rooms in which travis could roam freely when they weren't home The couple had also placed a mattress at the foot of their bed, but most nights, Travis would sleep with Jerry and Sandy in their bed, which one of the experts in one of the cases that they mentioned in that Fatal Attraction episode is this lady who who still owns two chimpanzees, and she used to let them sleep in her bed with her, and then she was uh, a a primatologist, uh, was like, you can't do that. Like, that is one of the worst things that you can do, because they will latch on, and then, you know, like, shit gets blurred. Right, and it right. could become potentially dangerous, and so she because was like, "I will." I can't remember this lady's name. She lives in Montana, but she was like, "Okay," and she took like the the re- responsible steps. I think responsibly would just be to fucking to give them to a sanctuary or take them back to the jungle. But she took the responsible steps, which I, you know I'll give her credit for. But they also took Travis to work with them every day, installing tire swings ropes, and trampolines in a large room above the tow shop for Travis to spend his time during business hours. I mean... (laughs) That's kind of cool, right? He has an office that's... Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's cute that he's got, like... I have a meeting with Travis. Yeah, he's right upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's got, like, a tire swing with a desk. Yeah. (sighs) I think that's what most modern office spaces look like. Tire swings, ropes, and fucking trampolines. I'm pretty sure that's what Google looks like. Anything to not pay people, you yeah. know? <laughs> I love it. I love when someone's like, my job does this. And I'm like, yeah, it's because they're underpaying you. They just mm-hmm. want to distract you with shiny stuff. That's why I like my job where it's just shit. <laughs> and they're very <laughs> up- upfront about it. He was friendly with everyone who came in. Uh, tow drivers and mechanics loved seeing him. And he even became a favorite site of the police officers who would call the company in for tows taking a picture with almost every officer on the force at this time, which is kind of crazy to me um, that everyone, every cop was like, yeah, I want a picture with this chimp, but I get it. It's a smaller town. Like he's a local celebrity. Yeah. At this time, Sue had divorced her first husband and her infant and her and her infant son returned to Stanford where Jerry and Sandy constructed a loft-style apartment next to the auto shop. Sue's son and and uh, uh, Travis were close in age, and they played well together. 
As Travis grew more uh, quickly than Tyler, his love for the boy grew, and he would often hold him in his lap, kissing him. One time I went to a zoo, and there was, we, yeah, there was, it was my mom, my brother, and yeah. I got that big snake draped around our shoulders, you know, like Fuck. a giant python. Uh-huh. I was too little, and the zookeeper was like, look, he's probably fine, but we're going to put the little one on the tail end just in case this snake tries to eat them. Okay, sure. At least that would have been... It's fine. I just hate it. I don't did, like it. Did this. I ever tell you where my fear of snakes comes from? Huh. Is when it I a snake? A, yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, there we go. No, when I was a kid, we went to a museum uh, called the Bean Museum in, in Utah. If anybody's from Utah, it's a bunch of taxidermied animals. It's a glorified uh, c- cabela's. And at the end of it, they took us to a room where they had actual live animals. And they brought out this snake. And the... <laughs> The animal keeper was like, who wants the snake on him? And everyone's like, me, me. And I fucking strongly was like, not me, please. Like, I'd always been weary of snakes. But, like, I I was fine with them, but I did not love them. This fucker came up and put the snake on my shoulders. And everyone was like, ah, while I was just like, ah, ah, (laughs) like, get it off me. And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't move around like that a lot. And I was like. Get it fucking off me. And he didn't. He left it there for like a minute or two, and it was enough to just fucking terrify me. And I'm Now, son, you're wiggling like a prey would. <laughs> That's going to be bad if the snake decides you are indeed son, prey. these animals can smell fear, and you fucking <laughs> reek of it. So I would stop that if I were you, you fucking pussy. You never had a snake? <laughs> you never, what? You've never had a snake on your shoulders? <laughs> no. Everybody laugh at the boy shaking in Somebody fear of the snake. Somebody start pointing at him. <laughs> quick, um, everybody make moves, very quick, sudden movements and loud noises. <laughs> Travis obviously matured very quickly, and Jerry would do everything that a father is supposed to do with their son. Originally, I had written does with their son, then I was like, I don't think my dad did a lot of this with me. So I, that's why I wrote supposed to do. Oh, please. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, sure. Sorry, sorry, I'm projecting. Go, next again. time go to therapy before writing the script. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So he would play catch with them, taught him how to ride a tricycle, which was a bit awkward at first, obviously, because you know their arms are longer than their their feet. Uh, right. but he would eventually learn how to ride a tricycle as well as a bike and a ride on lawnmower, which again, the sight of a chimp riding a fucking ride on lawnmower is kind of funny. <sighs> yes. It's kind of funny. Yes, like, it's okay. it's objectively Picture adorable. This. You hire landscapers, and they show up. They're like, yeah, Travis is going to cut the fucking grass. And you're like, oh, cool. And then out of the trailer is a fucking monkey riding the lawnmower. That's, uh, yes. That's kind of fucking cool. Same with, like, the auto shop being like, Travis is going to take care of, you know, removing yeah. this tire. And then a monkey with, like, a little work like a wrench yes he's got a little he's got a little jumpsuit built for him yeah Mm -hmm. man we need a monkey for the podcast no we don't jose no we do not he would also go to the beach with a couple jumping and hollering as he splashed in the water and he would actually walk the dog himself too which again objectively is pretty fucking adorable i hate how much this is winning me over yes it'll don't worry it'll it'll lose you quickly travis would sit at the table for meals and would even eat with a spoon and had a favorite italian restaurant bellicis 
where he would order his favorite of filet mignon or lobster tail. Fuck! They were rich, Mason. Remember, they were rich. They were millionaires. What do what do chimpanzees eat in nature? Like bananas and shit, probably. Um, I, I, they are carnivores, so they do eat meat. I like, mean, I know they can. Animals, I think they're they're, ma- they're mainly like eating like plants and shit. They're I think they're omnivores, right? Yeah, but. Okay, first not off, eating fucking filet mignon or lobster tail. I'll tell you new that. fear unlocked is the idea of a chimpanzee chasing down a small animal to eat it. Yeah, I fucking Jose. Yeah. All right. Okay. Go ahead. He loved candy and ice cream, hooting and pulling at Jerry or Sandy when the ice cream truck came down the road. He had seemingly learned their schedules and would often sit and wait for them. If he was thirsty, Travis would swing himself up onto the counter, grab a cup, and open the refrigerator and serve himself whatever he desired, mostly juice or soda. Which again, a chimp drinking Coca-Cola, that's an ad in itself. Like, Coca-Cola could not fucking, you know, like, he also seemed to have a sense of humor, turning the television volume up whenever Sandy was on a phone call uh, and just kind of being a, a, a little dick. She would often yell at him and be like, you son of a bitch, I'm going to get you. And then she'd laugh. And Yeah. But Sandy, out of the two, out of Jerry and uh, herself, she was the one who was most impressed by the, by, um, I guess they're the cells that we share. I forget what they were called. Um, I think I can pull them up here exactly. But they're these cells that we share with chimpanzees, um, which... Uh, kind of ca- uh, account, uh, like account for their cognitiveness. So they're called spindle cells. Uh, that uh, they're cells shared by humans and chimps that are believed to help us process complex thoughts and empathize. But um, yeah, Sandra was like super impressed. Sandy was super impressed by his ability to function as a normal chimpanzee, I suppose. As a normal chimpanzee, or as like a human being. As a human being, I guess. Right. Yeah. As as a as a chimpanzee uh, acting like a human being, yeah. she was like, "Wow, I can't I believe." Was, I was uh, researching this. I was like, "Dude, this is fucking Planet of the Apes. Like, this is James Franco and Caesar right here." Mm. Yeah. Whenever Charlotte Nash came to visit with her daughter Brianna, Travis would play with both Charlotte and her daughter, climbing all over Charlotte and messing with her long blonde hair, often posing for pictures together. By this point, Travis had become something of a local celebrity, and folks would come to catch a glimpse of the chimp, who would wave to them as they drove by. He often played with a neighbor who said the two would wrestle, and Travis seemingly was aware of his limits, never injuring the man or using his full strength. The man would state that he listened better than his nephews. I... Which... <sighs> you do sometimes see this in wild animals, especially like when they're kept in a sanctuary, where they're like... We play with them, and they bite me, but they know not to bite all the way. Yep. But in this Fatal Attraction episode, again, which I recommend everyone go watch, this lady who owns the chimps in Montana, she talks about how, like, yeah, her chimps will do that, but she's like, but I know that they're doing it to see if I trust my hand in their mouth. And apparently they'll mm. do this. Chimps will, like, play with you just to see if it comes to it, they could kill you. Or, like, they could best you you know because they're ah. very competitive animals obviously that's fucking that's a terrifying Dude. sentence jose what the fuck that's the thing they'll that people just don't like- realize is chimpanzees are very cognitive as far as animals go and 
They test you, dude. They fucking test you. Why am I now... I, you can't believe you've given me a complex about whether I could be outsmarted by a chimpanzee. I, I, feel, like I, <laughs> I feel like I could. And I think I'm a very smart guy, but I feel like push comes to shove, that chimp is going to trick me. <laughs> if you give a chimpanzee a tie and a briefcase, I'll... <laughs> Yeah, I'll now, be like... If you give a chimp a, a tie and a briefcase, he might end up being my boss. I don't know. I could... I I would... A chimpanzee with a tie and a briefcase could steal my identity. If he just yeah. gave me papers, I'd sign them. Yep. Right? If he was so, like a little businessman, I'd be like, I'll sign any of them. And then the, it's like, how did he get my house? And it's like, well, you signed the lease over to him. Like, fuck! So one of the cases that I came across while researching this case was of a, um, a story of a new zookeeper who <gasps> was... I think I saw this. Yeah, so she had been in her first... Uh, shift she was placed in charge of the chimpanzee enclosure and what they would do was they would put the food by the the door and then the chimps would take it and then when it was feeding time the chimps knew to place the bowl right by the door so that they would only have to reach in and grab it one of the times she goes and she sees that the bowl is kind of a little bit outside of her reach like she would kind of have to get in there turn her presser like, like press her face up against the bars reach it, right and she goes to do this and then one of the other zookeepers comes and yells at her and he's like stop don't do that and she's like why and he's like come over here and he takes her to another angle and pressed against the corner of the door just out of her eyesight was this chimp who was seemingly waiting for her to do it so he could grab her arm and they swear that when they looked at his face they saw almost disappointment that he had been caught. And again, could be just projecting, but it's kind of crazy that 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 he was smart enough to be like, I'm going to fucking trick this lady. I don't like how this is at the age of 24, I'm realizing I have a giant fear of chimpanzees. I've, uh, I've always known this. The Herald plastered Travis's image on the side of their tow trucks and flatbeds. He would sit sh- shotgun on tow calls, waving as the trucks would pull up, which again is kind of cute. But also, how do you know how mad I'd be if I got my car towed <laughs> and there was a chimp in the tow truck? Like, you know, like all those, like, when you, like, walk out and you see the tow truck and you're like, no, no, stop, stop. Yeah, and then yeah. a chimpanzee gets <laughs> out and it's like, what? Hey, man, this is ru- going to ruin you, my you, life. You have to fucking try and argue with a chimp that you're parked in an okay spot and he's just like, and he's pointing at the fucking thing. And you're like, oh, come on, man, cut me some slack. You don't even understand time. How can you tell me I was... he shits in his hand and he throws it at you? Yeah. People would often hand their babies to him as well. Like, people would run into him on the street and be like, Oh my God, Travis, hold my baby. Which, again, (laughs) is fucking insane. I'm sorry, I don't care how cute your monkey is. I'm not trusting him with my baby. In September of 2000, after remarrying and moving to... I didn't realize we were this far in. Yeah. So she's... How long has she had... Travis now for five years now he was born okay. in 95 okay so after remarrying and moving to North Carolina Sue had been making repeated trips to Connecticut to get the rest of her belongings which had stayed behind one night before driving back she had complained of back pain and taken a Percocet somewhere in Virginia on a mostly lonely road Sue fell asleep and her car veered off the road and collided with a tree Her infant daughter, who had been in the car with her, escaped unscathed, strapped into her car seat. Sue, however, was ejected from the car. The phone call would wake Sandy, Jerry, and Travis, who were all asleep by that point. I don't like that you put Travis in there. 
I know Travis did get woken up by the phone call, but I don't think Travis was capable of comprehending the tragedy that had occurred. We'll see later, actually. That is interesting that you bring that up, because we will see later. Something okay. will happen that I think might prove you wrong. In the years after Sue's death, Sandy struggled with explosive fits of anger and bouts of unrelenting depression. Uh, so one of the things that they talked about in this article was that at her funeral, Sue's funeral, Sandy, when Sue's husband came, Sandy shouted, that's the bastard. That if That's the bastard. If it wasn't for him, I, my daughter would still be alive and refused to let him enter uh, the viewing. Which I'm like, I understand, but that is also her husband. Do you it not think also, that he feels bad as well? And I, this isn't the first sign of this, but it kind of seems like Sue has some untreated mental illnesses. Yes, I would. And again, we can talk about this at the end, but I would say so as well. In the So she would also struggle to maintain relationships with Sue's kids and became retreated, even considering suicide. Her life had now become entirely built around Jerry and Travis. Sandy now considered Travis her only child. One night, while Jerry was having a glass of wine before bed, Travis climbed into the seat beside him, seemingly interested in what Jerry was drinking. Jerry offered him a sip, and thus a nightly ritual was born. Two glasses of wine before bed. One for Jerry, and one for Travis. They would they would clink it and say cheers if you're wondering. They would do that. They would. Yeah, are you are you Joe? Are you doing no, a bit right now? Dead serious. They would clink it. Like obviously Travis didn't say cheers, but he understood that clinking meant cheers. You know. I'm so mad because that's again objectively adorable. Yes. Yes. You're right. But you shouldn't give chimps alcohol. Give them juice. I, I they should have given him grape juice. Animals alcohol. I, remember, I like. I have a cousin who was like, "Oh, sometimes our dog drinks beer," and I'm like, "Don't do, don't that. do that." Don't do Bush, that. Bush, uh, look. If you, if you're a beer personality guy, Bush makes a beer a dog beer. Oh, they do. I don't think you should give them that. Give them water. <laughs> but I guess if you're dead set on giving an animal alcohol, do that. Give the chimp grape juice. Yes. I just think, like, we know drinking is bad for you. Yeah. Humans shouldn't really be doing it. Right. It's fine that we are. Yeah. In 2003, while stopped at an intersection, a passerby, for unknown reasons, threw an empty soda bottle into the car which struck Travis, who looked, grunted, and calmly unbuckled his seatbelt, unlocked and opened the door, and began knuckle-running across the road after the man. He wouldn't catch him, but would spend the next two hours holding up traffic as he refused to get back in the vehicle. He laid down on his back and rolled around. About a dozen police officers responded to a call about a loose chimpanzee downtown, but Travis simply chased them around. He would evade capture and even smacked some of the officers on their asses, which is pretty fucking funny. God people, damn it. People were jeering and cheering for him to like when the cops would try to get him and he managed to escape him. Everybody was like, fuck yeah. Fuck I mean, yeah, I would obviously, if I, saw, if I saw a chimpanzee running from the police, I'd obviously root for the chimpanzee. Yeah, obviously. I hate that this chimpanzee keeps doing things that I like. Yeah. Nothing could coax him back into the car until he finally grew tired, at which point he simply climbed into the car, buckled his seatbelt, and was ready to go home. 
There were no charges pressed, and several of the officers who wrote reports stated that the situation never felt dangerous, and instead, Travis's attitude seemed playful. He would spend the next day grounded in his room. At this point, a new statute was passed that required a permit to be kept for any primate over 50 pounds. But the Department of Environmental Protection of Connecticut deemed that because Travis was a local celebrity, pursuing action against the Heralds would be an unwinnable battle and therefore decided not to pursue the matter any further. Great. Yeah. Uh, Low-key... I mean, not that that the permit would have changed anything, but... No, but maybe it would have made the Heralds start reconsidering things. You know, I just... I think yeah. if the if they had pressed more, tragedy might have been avoided. Well, that's true. If they were like, hey, did you know this is a dangerous animal? Yeah, that would probably well, would have been a good idea. Actually, while everyone made light of the incident, Stanford's animal control officer did not. She was concerned and reached out to primatologists for information. After speaking with them, they went to Sandy and argued that Travis was now a fully sexualized adult chimp and had the strength of at least five men. Here's a fun bit of information. Adult chimpanzees in the wild have sex non-monogamously as often as 50 times a day. God damn. They are fucking living life. I'll tell you that right now. Chimps be fucking. Chimps I, they be are, fucking. I, as, if, from a human standpoint, no. 50 no, times in a times. day would hurt. Once is fine for me. Two times. Three yeah. times. Three times is a good... Oh, that's kind of pushing it. Three times. Three is times is, is like is the last pushing. time. It's it's like I'm going to... I might die. Yeah. The animal control officer stressed to Sandy that adult chimpanzees can be quite violent and unpredictable, essentially telling Sandy that Travis was a ticking time bomb and that keeping him for the duration of his five or six decade lifespan was not a viable option. Sandy would consider what the officer told her, but would ultimately decide to keep Travis because he had never exhibited signs of violence or aggression. However, Except that time he chased a man. Yeah, but I guess they, they all were like, ah, ha, ha, it was kind of a joke. However. I, <laughs> chimpanzees don't get jokes, Jose. They don't understand jokes. They don't know jokes. They don't know what jokes are. They're chimpanzees. <laughs> However, Sandy was withholding information from the officer. You see. Oh, I'm sorry. So the thing that I just used as an example of aggressive behavior wasn't even the only example. Awesome. You see, sweet. she had been made aware two years earlier by Connie Casey that Travis's mother and father had escaped the sanctuary with a third chimp and run across the ranch to a nearby housing development where 17-year-old Jason Coates and some friends were pulling into his driveway after stopping at the Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, we've got the blizzard. Coates would claim that the chimp... <laughs> Fuck you. No, I'm not. Shut up. Go ahead. (laughs) Coates would claim that the chimps approached his Chevy Cavalier and trapped the teens inside, baring their teeth and rocking the car violently. Coates would make his way out and pass the chimps into his house where he grabbed his shotgun. Casey had gotten to the driveway by that point and had tranquilized Susie, who at this point, according to Casey and several witnesses, was now sitting on the edge of the road, incredibly stoned and fingering the grass and flowers. At this point, Coates came out and pointed his shotgun at the back of the chimp's head. Casey begged Coates not to shoot, but he ignored her and shot Susie three times. Susie would die hours later. 
Following several of the neighbors' testimony that the chimps were simply being playful and seemingly posed no threat, Coates was found guilty of property damage and animal abuse by a jury in order to serve a month in jail. But Coates always remained steadfast that the chimps were dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so they don't belong here, right? They should be in the jungle because everybody was wrong in that situation. Yes. Coates, Coates wasn't was incorrect. Wrong. He didn't need to shoot but her, but he was also not incorrect. They are dangerous animals. Yeah. The Heralds had stopped taking Travis out after the incident downtown and spent most of their time not working at home with him. In a very cute scene, one day while Travis was skulking, this exchange happened, and this is directly from the article. He was sitting next to Jerry, facing away from him. Jerry was eating heartily after some dental work he'd had earlier in the day. Jerry and Sandy were trying to engage Travis. Daddy got his tooth fixed today. Look! Travis wouldn't. Come on, Trav. Look at Daddy's new tooth. Travis turned, glanced begrudgingly. Come on, Trav. Which tooth had a boo-boo? Which one? Travis looked finally. Jerry opened his mouth. Which one? Travis looked for a second before extending his long index finger. He placed the tip of it directly on Jerry's left molar. Sandy and Jerry cheered. That's the one, Travis. That's the one. Travis's lips curled open around his gleaming white teeth. He bounced in his chair and buried his face in Jerry's chest. Show Daddy your new teeth, Sandy told him. Travis looked at her, looked at Jerry, puckered his lips again, exposed his teeth, and tilted his head up toward Jerry. Jerry cheered. Show Daddy your big tongue. <laughs> Travis. It's not my fault. It's the dialogue. It's I didn't. I know that sounded. I put a weird inflection on yeah, that. Yeah, and I know that. Mean, I didn't yeah. mean to. It's fine. Travis opened his mouth and unfurled his giant pink tongue. Once again, they cheered. By now, Travis could not contain himself. He smiled broadly and grunted, his shoulders shaking in silent laughter. He pulled, he patted Jerry on the back. Finally, he wrapped his long arm around him. I thought that was ominous the whole time, just again, knowing what happens, but I'm happy that, yeah. I thought that was going to end with a fist in a man's mouth. Yeah. Shortly after this, Jerry began to complain that he was not feeling well. One day in March 2005, after playing with Travis in the morning, Jerry went into work where his pain only grew worse and worse, and so he asked one of his employees to drive him to the hospital. Jerry would be hospitalized for weeks while doctors desperately tried to stop the cancer in his stomach, which had begun to rapidly spread. Oh, I thought he got a disease from having a monkey finger in his mouth. <laughs> I really did. I thought that's where this was going. Okay. Monkey fingeritis. Monkey fingeritis, yeah. Sandy would spend all her time in the hospital with Jerry, and one night while visiting him, Jerry told Sandy they needed to talk about Travis. He told her that if he died, although it pained him to say so, she had to send Travis to a sanctuary, because he knew that taking care of Travis would be too much for Sandy to handle on her own. While Jerry was in the hospital, Travis began to break down. When Sandy would come home, Travis would frantically smell her, seemingly inhaling Jerry's scent from her clothes. He was disoriented by the sudden absence of Jerry in his life. He would rock back and forth for hours and take pictures of Jerry off the walls, putting them up to his lips and then to his chest. Sandy would take them all down and store them in a box. Jerry would die on April 12, 
2005. <sighs> See, I, I do think he kind of understood yep. the absence of someone. And and, and yeah. I will say this. After this, he, he I mean, obviously both of them weren't the same, but especially Travis started to deteriorate. Like his behavior had changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be because, and this is just, you know, armchair psychiatrist again. It could uh, be armchair chimpanzees and armchair primatologist. It could be because he saw Jerry as the alpha of the home, and then now oh. that he was gone, maybe that's why he didn't listen to Sandy as much because he was like, "No, bitch, I'm the alpha." After a year had passed, Sandy sat down to write a letter to a woman in Florida who runs a sanctuary about visiting to see if it would be a good fit for Travis. These were the last two paragraphs of the letter, which Mason will now read. Needless to say, after 45 years with the most wonderful man in the world, we are both lost without him and miss him dearly. Travis still waits for him, especially at supper time, because at that time they both had a glass of wine with their supper, and if my husband ever cooked anything, you can bet it has garlic in it. Try having two guys breathing on your sleep time with garlic breath. Travis would go to the bedroom window many nights, sit on the bench, see, look out, get very vocal and happy, then come back to sleep. This was always very late at night. Finally, I went to a, a psychic, and she told me Jerry would visit at night and talk to Travis, and my husband would always kiss me goodnight. P.S. Him and Travis kiss alike. That's good too. I think she just means on the cheek. I'm. I'm I know, she just means on the cheek. but don't kiss chimpanzees. Don't do human. I feel like this is a broken record at this point. Don't do human things with any animal. Hmm. Clothes on dogs, fine. <laughs> About the extent of what you should be doing. <laughs> Continuing on. Yes. That was not part of the letter, obviously. I have no family. My only child, Susan, had gotten killed in an auto accident four years before Jerry died, and who Travis also loved. My grandkids live in North Carolina, and I don't see them very often. I live alone with Travis. We eat and sleep together, but I am worried if something happens to me suddenly as my husband, what would happen to Travis? Therefore, I have to try and do something before that happens. I set up a trust fund for him, but that's not enough. He needs someone to play with of his own kind and have the best possible life. If I'm not here to care for him, I would love to see and talk to you if that's possible. I am flying down to see your member event enclosed is our donation. I am looking forward to meeting you. She addressed the letter, Sandy, Jerry, and Travis, including a photo of Travis and the family. She wrote out a check for $250, put everything in a stamped envelope, and never sent the letter or made the trip out. Ow. After Jerry's death, Sandy and Sharla reunited. Sharla and her then 12-year-old daughter had lived nomadically, spending more than a year at a homeless shelter. Sharla had taken odd jobs, and so the reunion was mutually beneficial. Sandy let Sharla and her daughter move into the loft that had previously been occupied by Sue, rent-free, and gave her a job as a dispatcher and bookkeeper for the tow shop. As time passed, their relationship blurred and Charlotte would mow Sandy's lawn and look after Travis if Sandy was out. It's one of those things where like they start out as an employee, but they end up like just doing everything for them and then they're like friends. Right. You know, yeah. like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That I, I say that because I just watched it. 
Yeah, no, that's a good... It's like that relationship, where he was where a stuntman, and then he was, like, fixing his house and you know, he, driving He's just, out. like, a do-all assistant yeah. kind of thing, but... But he's also his buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So, she would look after Travis if Sandy was out, but Sandy rarely was. Sandy had begun to compulsively spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at stores like TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Marshalls. We have the clothes. Filing almost every room of the house with bags and bins full of clothes. In 2008, construction began on a gigantic addition to the home that Jerry had designed for Travis. Travis was now 14 years old, 240 pounds, and morbidly obese. His hairline had receded, and his torso was now completely gray. Like, their it's hairline not, recedes, though. Like I know. Body. Not just, it's like, not funny because it's animal abuse, but the idea that he looks like a... Like a mid manager at like a like, <laughs> like a, a real retail store, yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like he looks like fucking Daryl. Remember Daryl? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking hated that guy. Anyway, that fucking guy. Yeah, his face was black and wrinkled, and his chest sagged. I was there for a bit. Mm-hmm. I was there yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah. He spent most of his days snacking, watching TV, playing video games, or roaming about the house. Which again. The whole playing video games, I'm like, that is very impressive. I, that whole thing was what I did when I became single for a little bit yeah. there. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Surprise! Wow, now that is a gift. <laughs> Here you go, Gordy. Happy birthday. Beautiful, <laughs> 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 On February 26, 2009, Sandy had just returned from a weekend at Mohegan Sun Casino, where she had taken Charlotte to get her hair colored and curled before they left. At around 3 p.m., Sandy was panicking. She had to meet a friend, but while she was cleaning, Travis had taken her car keys and gone into the yard. She could not get him to come inside or give her the keys. It seemed she wanted to go for a ride, something Sandy did not have time for that whole day, Travis had seemed agitated, and Sandy had spent the whole day trying to fix his mood, but nothing seemed to interest him. Not drawing or coloring, not watching TV, and not even playing with his cat, Misty. He had his, his own cat? cat? Yeah, he had his own okay. cat. Okay. I mean, that's a th- I mean, uh, you know, that gorilla had a cat. Yeah. Yeah, I, apparently it's not that weird of a thing, I guess. It's I like cheetahs with their golden retriever, or with their dog, yes, anxiety yes. dogs. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so that cool. one is fine because it seems legitimate. Yeah, that is. That's cool. I like that. So slightly concerned, Sandy laced his tea with Xanax. And this Jose. is where it gets into uh-oh territory after this. Jose. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, that you shouldn't make chimpanzees or any animals do human things. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know if I've said have. that. Okay. The top of that list would be giving them human drugs. Mm. Do you not have... They should have chimpanzee tranquilizer. They should have that. If you own a chimpanzee, you should have a medicine cabinet filled with chimpanzee it's like I have, medicines. Uh, for instance, Zuko is a very anxious dog. When mm-hmm. we have people visit, he freaks out. Right. Because I know this, I don't give my dog fucking ambien or fucking xanax or something i get him hemp treats that are specifically designed for dogs 
yep. to get them to calm down. Yep. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. how it should be done. <laughs> Never give... I don't give Zuko weed to get it, like actual fucking human weed yes. to get him to calm down. Xanax is a, such a powerful drug that it destroys human lives. Yeah. Don't give it to a chimpanzee. And also, why is he drinking tea? I know this is a small thing in the grand scheme of things. He should be drinking water. Tea's pretty good for you. Regular I tea. agree for humans, but do we... I don't know. Sure, uh, we don't I, know. I chocolate is chocolate is poison for dogs. Mm, that is true. I, I'm not... I mean, this is a small tangent at this point. Don't give them uh, things that aren't found in their natural habitat. Again, we're getting into uh-oh territory. Sandy called Sharla and told her about Travis. Sandy would go on to say that Sharla volunteered to come help, but Sharla would refute saying she was asked to. Regardless, Sharla arrived at the property around 3.40 p.m. She opened the large iron gate at the entrance to the home and made her, dra- her way up the driveway. She parked her car and got out but not before grabbing an Elmo doll she had brought to offer Travis, thinking it would help calm him down, as it was one of his favorite toys. Travis was 35 feet away from her. He saw the doll, and Knuckle ran toward her before coming up on his two legs. Sandy, upon seeing this, began to shout at Travis to stop, saying, Travis, Travis, what are you doing? Travis, stop. Travis, it's Charla, Travis. Travis ignored her. He knocked Charlotte to the side of the car and then again to the ground. Charlotte immediately began to bleed. Sandy screamed at Travis and rushed to grab a shovel. She struck Travis multiple times over the head, but this did nothing. Travis just screamed as he brought his fist down on Charlotte's face. I'm sorry. Sandy hit Travis with the shovel. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sandy ran to the house at this point and grabbed a butcher knife stabbing Travis in the back, but he did not stop. He persisted, chewing, ripping, and pulling at Sharla. Sandy took the knife out and stabbed him once more, at which point Travis stopped, turned to face her, looked her directly in the eyes before returning back to Sharla and continuing his vicious attack. At this point, Sandy ran to her car and locked herself inside, dialing 911 who at first believed it was a prank call before they ultimately heard Travis screaming in the background. This is a clip from the call, and I warn you all, it is upsetting. Stand for 911, where's your emergency? Oh, this is Sandy, 241 Rock, Rock Crimson Road. What's Send the problem? The Send the police. What's hey. the problem there? The chip killed my... My friend! What's the problem with your friend? Oh, please! What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Send the police up! With a gun! With a gun! Hurry up! Who a gun? Please, hurry up! He's killing my girlfriend! What is the problem? He's killing my friend! Who's killing your friend? My chimpanzee! Oh, your chimpanzee is killing your friend! He ripped her apart! Hurry up! With a gun! Hurry up, please! There's someone on the way. What gun, please? You shoot him! What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey's doing. He, he ripped her face off! He ripped her face off? He tried to, he tried to attack me! 
Okay, I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Can you put yourself away? I don't want the monkey attacking you. Please, hurry up! Listen to me! Uh, they're on the way, ma'am. They gotta shoot them, please! But it is the, the, the screams in the background, Mason. That's what fucking terrifies me well, is the the screeching of the chimpanzee is that's one of the scariest thing to me about primates is the screeching it's there in the video terrifying. attached to that yeah they show a shovel laying on the ground yeah. and it looks like there's blood on the ground yes that was i think that was right by that car is where she was attacked they've already moved her at this point <sighs> jesus fucking christ yeah but it's very upsetting is it not that was I'm telling you th- when I first heard it, those screams, dude, stayed with me like all day. Just the fucking, because she's talking and you hear it in the background, and uh, you can tell at first that they don't believe her, but then yeah, when they hear it, they're like, oh, wait, what? It's, yeah. <sighs> the call would last twelve minutes, and when first responders arrived, they waited for the police before approaching Charla, who Travis had now walked away from. When the police arrived, they saw a mostly naked, bloody, lifeless body on the ground and Travis roaming the property. When he saw the police cars, Travis made his way over to them. Because, again, remember, he liked cops. Swatting one of the mirrors off like it was butter before trying to open the passenger side door, which was locked. Upon realizing this, Travis made his way to the driver's side as the officer looked on in fear. Travis tried the door and it opened apparently left unlocked by the officer. As Travis opened the door, the officer stood frozen for a moment, before Travis bared his bloody teeth and at which point the officer went for his sidearm, but struggled before finally removing it. And in one swift motion, he fired four rounds into Travis, who staggered backwards, screeched, defecated, and ran off. This officer, and I will link uh, a really interesting piece in which they interviewed him, um, he was royally fucked up by this whole experience Um, and his experience would go on to get legislation passed or at least brought to the senate i don't know if it ended up passing that would guarantee a um mental health services for uh officers who've had to uh put down an animal in the line of field because a lot of people like cops will have to shoot dogs and it fucks them up Uh, a lot of the times uh yeah because you know we, we again we project onto um pets and he was at first not granted uh psychological help and then eventually he was but he would he would go on to talk about how like after this event it he was really messed up and again it's really worth the read the read i'll link in the show notes the officer got out of his car and made his way to the bloody to the body laying on the frozen ground passing chunks of scalp and fingers scattered across the lawn with the stump of what was left of her arm charla reached out for the officer's leg still alive at which point the officer signaled the paramedics to administer first aid and again this officer talked about how as he was approaching her he's like and i know it's messed up i was really hoping she was dead right i really didn't want her to be alive and he says that in that moment the most horrifying thing was this realizing she was still alive you know incredibly mess mutilated body reaching out He said Mm -hmm. it was like a scene out of a horror movie. Yeah. At this point, the officers had lost sight of Travis and believed he had gone into the woods. However, Travis had made his way back inside the home, past the kitchen, and into his bedroom, where he grasped at his bedpost, heaved forward, 
and died. Travis had bitten or torn Sharla's eyelids, nose, jaws, and lips as well as most of her scalp. He'd broken nearly all the bones in her facial structure. He'd fully removed one of her hands while almost all of the other. He'd also rendered her permanently blind. Uh, and they talked about how like, her jaw was hanging on. They had to reattach it. Jesus Christ. Yet despite all of this, she lived. Three days after the attack, she was flown to the Cleveland Clinic and 15 months of medical intervention ensued. One month after the attack, Charlotte's family sued Sandy for $50 million. Sandy was now broken and alone, constantly harassed by the media, who would go on to inaccurately report on the case, stating that Travis was the same chimp who had appeared in the iconic Old Navy ads of the 90s and on the Maury Povich show, an inaccuracy that is still reported as fact to this day. They would even accuse her of having sexual relations with Travis. She refused to clean up the blood in his room and placed a giant stuffed chimp in a chair in his room. Travis's head was removed for rabies testing and his body was given an autopsy which revealed the Xanax in his body, which experts believe was the cause behind the attack, as Xanax can often have paradoxical effects and cause hallucinations, paranoia, and extreme bouts of anger. In the end, Sandy began to care for other animals, putting out food bowls for the raccoons and deer that would visit her home. She would go on to find another chimp by the name of Chance, but she knew she couldn't bring him back home to Connecticut, so she gave money to a friend out of state, and the two assumed joint custody of the animal. She would visit him as a baby and snuggle and play no. with him, crying as she held him. One summer day in 2010, Sandra's chest began hurting. Frightened, she called a friend over who tried to calm her down with a hot bath, which did nothing. The pair then drove to the hospital. In the emergency room, it was discovered that Sandy's aorta was bulging. She was prepared for surgery, and in the operating room, two hours in, Sandy's lungs filled with blood, and thus, all of the heralds were gone. Um, they asked her in an interview if she thought that after the attack of chimps should still be owned as pets, and she said yes, which is unfortunate. Charlotte was transferred to an assisted living facility outside of Boston. The cosmetic surgeries had done very little at the time to fix her face, and by the time she went on the Oprah show on November 11th, 2009, her face was nothing but a bulbous mess. And I've included a it's, picture here for Mason to see. It's it's not a it's not a face. And this says you I don't know if you can see it, but there on the table behind the flowers is the hat with the veil that she would wear, which again mm. inspired the that character in Nope. I the I uh, it's horrifying. If you've seen Nope and you've seen it's much the scene more where they show her face. It's much better. Yes. It's and I thought that was scary. I was like, wow, but it's much better. <sighs> when informed of Sandy's passing, Sharla said, Sandra was a troubled woman, and maybe she has some peace now. I don't, like, I'm not even, she said, how did she even speak in the Oprah interview? She could talk. There's Her mouth is kind of there. Uh, okay, because uh, in the picture from the Oprah interview, it, she, it doesn't like even appear mouth, she it's, has. It's, it's there. Okay, uh, okay. I when mean, it, there's, it's, you can, like, 
for those of you who don't want to see the picture, and I, if you're uh, uh, not a fan of, uh, if if it's it's intense, it, it, it is intense. I, I would again, it's, viewer discretion definitely. There's a brow line, and then a bit of an indent where you where two eyes would be kind of, and other than that, it's a completely unrecognizable. Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. 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 In June tenth, two thousand eleven. Charlotte received a full face transplant and a double hand transplant. The hands were, however, rejected by her body and were ultimately removed. And then I've included a picture. This is what she looks like now, Mason. I mean, it's... Better. Yeah, I mean, They've it's definitely... a nose for her and a mouth, but her mouth is kind of crooked. Uh, the yeah. nose is very bony, and she has... I'm pretty sure she has no eyelids. From what I understand, right? But are She's those also even permanently blind as well? Are those her eyes or are those glass eyes? I don't. I'm, I'm assuming probably glass eyes, right? I would assume. I don't know. I mean, it's after seeing the first picture. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a miracle. And again, remember how... looking at her with the. I included the picture earlier of her and uh, Travis. That's what she used to look like. Right. But I would, I mean, yeah, the the reconstruction, I, that would be, I would consider it a success as no, far it, as... it definitely was. It is a success. Yeah. In November of 2012, Charlotte reached a settlement with Sandy's estate and was awarded $4 million. In 2013, Charlotte sued the state of Connecticut on the basis that the state knew the animal was dangerous, but did nothing about him. She was seeking $150 million. This was denied because officials argued that at the time of the attack... No statute existed that prohibited the private ownership of a chimp. And they but said it did some- require a permit, though, right. right? Okay. Yeah, but and they said something along the lines of, like, while we sympathize with Miss Nash and Torbel, like, we're, we're not going to pay. <laughs> like, no, we're not going to be held accountable. Right. Right. 241 Rock Rimmon Road remains the same as the day Sandy left it. The life-size stuffed chimp still sits in the oversized, oversized chair in Travis's room, staring out the window at the backyard and the woods beyond it. In a cemetery not far from the property, with no headstones, in a sealed vault, rests Jerry, and beside him, Sandy. She wears an animal print shirt, tight jeans, her fingernails painted pink, with her hands across her abdomen. Next to her, on either side, are two urns, containing the ashes of her children, her daughter Sue, and her beloved son, Travis the Chimp. This case stands to illustrate the dangers of exotic pet ownership and solidifies at least to this humble podcaster that regardless of how close in exhibitable behavior primates may seem to us, once a wild animal, always a wild animal. However, to this day, regrettably, as many as a hundred chimpanzees are still kept as pets in the United States. So that's the case, Mason. I think now we could discuss any thoughts or reflections that we have on it. I, like I said, it is a heavy case by all means. Yeah, I mean, don't keep don't keep animals as pets. I mean, I definitely don't believe that chimpanzees should be kept at all, whether they're as pets no. or studies or. Unless you're an expert in uh, the field of that animal, um, don't keep animals. Um, 
Yeah. Anything. I, dogs and cats. Birds. Uh, some reptiles. Yeah. And fish. It's really, it's just a really tragic case, and it is horrifying to see how much damage one chimpanzee did to a, a, a human woman. And I guess that is just because, again, like people don't realize the strength of it. When people, when they say chimps have the strength of five men, they are not kidding. I, I mean, think about what it would take to rip off a hand. Yeah. A hand. Just. Not even a hand. Think of what it would take to rip off a finger with your bare hands. Right. That it's. It is. Unfathomable. It's unfathomable. It is unfathomable. And just the whole scene is terrifying. Imagine being one of those officers like. Well, I I forgot to mention this. Apparently, the people who operated on her were given psychiatric treatment afterwards. Because they were all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that if someone has ever told you that your fear of primates is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, um, irrational, tell them to mm-hmm. fuck off. Yeah. Tell them to fuck off. Well, I mean... No, no, Mason. Yes, it's okay to be no, scared because of primates. It is okay to be scared of primates, but I don't want it to come across as like... No, primates I don't think that we are naturally... Beasts, yeah, leave them alone. Leave them alone. That's the same Let them anything, do what they know? do in like, nature, preserve their habitats, and leave them alone. Yes, exactly. Google a picture of a fucking chimpanzee if you want to see one. Yes. I, I don't, don't even like... See, I don't like going to zoos. I can't remember the no. last time I went to a zoo. No, no. Stop no. taking animals. Stop breeding animals that should be in the wild in captivity. Like, yeah. I understand there's, at certain points, uh, there's scientific uh, things that we can gain from it, but fucking leave them alone. Yeah. I, I think that's all you have to do, is leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is crazy to me. I know that it's something like 20-something states prohibit the sale of, or ownership of, private ownership of chimps, but it is crazy to me that federally that's still allowed. Like, that's not a... Yeah. I, should, I think it should be. Yeah. Ill- illegal. It should be illegal, right? It should right? be illegal, yeah. Well, with that, folks, it is time to wrap the show up. I, it's okay. You don't have to do it. No, I got to do it. I have to do it. I just... If you it like, just it feels worse this time. Yeah. If you like the show, which again, guys, it's a new era. Look at our cover art. It's spooky. We're going to start doing more stuff like this. Uh, just to plug myself, I made that. Yeah, Mason fucking killed it. Okay, well, yeah, okay. I wasn't fishing for that, but... He rocked it. He's the greatest okay. graphic designer. Okay, now I feel patronized. <laughs> if you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcasts, and now on Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Plus, if you leave us a review, we will read your review on the show and it really helps the show as well too it helps it uh, when people look us up we're the first ones they see you can support the show by going to patreon.com backslash captain's log cast and donate a dollar or anything anything helps keep the lights on another thing you can do is help the show and yourself by going over to t public and shop our merch click the link in the show notes and grab yourself 
anything with our new design on it. And I will say, from a completely unbiased standpoint, it's a great design. It's pretty fucking cool. Remember, if you donate slash support our, to our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can the fine listeners find you? Well, for the first time in Captain's Log history, Jose, I'm glad you asked. Because you can actually find me on Instagram, at Mason Trader, where I post a lot of my art now. It's I've really been doing good. a Again, yeah. not to fucking blow smoke up his ass. It's pretty good. I'm happy with it, and that means something to me. So if you want to see some art um, inspired by a lot of punk bands or just see what I'm what I'm drawing, you can go there and check it out. I would appreciate it. Uh Follow me on it, like my pictures, send me a message and say I'm doing great and I look good. Yeah. Anything. It just makes me feel good about myself. Yes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.valle underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We will post various different materials on there, show updates, occasionally funny things, so go check it out. A lot of the bloopers go on the Instagram account, so if you ever wanted to see all the shit that gets cut out of us fucking up, it's there. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course, the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. If you're someone who consumes your podcast visually, uh, we are getting it working hard to get that updated. I think we're up to episode 46 right now, and we'll be posting the rest pretty soon here. Um, If you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with Friend of the Log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say, which is now back for its second season. Woo! Yes! Actually, recording that right after this. It's very good. It's a very good podcast. Check yeah. it out. Um, make sure you tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to share your opinion on this case uh, or have some insight to share, please do so by writing into captainslogcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thanks to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everyone, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you next week for another episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... Mason, don't treat exotic animals like humans, Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. Beep, boop, boop.